Welcome to the Girl Dad Show, a professional parenting podcast. Each month, I interview entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals who are balancing parenthood, life, and profession in the hopes to learn what it takes to be an amazing professional parent. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Girl Dad Show. Today, I had Henrik Johansson on the show. And I met Henrik at a really fancy dinner where there were a lot of high net worth individuals and up and coming professionals. And we immediately hit it off. He has a amazing story and um, a really, really clear head as it relates to business and how he wants to build businesses, both as an entrepreneur and as a CEO. And his business is very, very spectacular. I could have spent the entire episode talking about his business, Gemba. But we did also talk about his parenting style, his uh, values, and and how he likes to navigate both of those things, you know, using his experiences and his upbringings. And uh, he's a very, very inspirational man and a very dynamic personality. And I hope you enjoy the show. Henrik, thank you so much for joining me today on The Girl Dad Show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you. We um, had we met at that one dinner, and yeah. I was so curious about you and just the the trajectory that you've had, and then really curious about what you're working on. So it's really great that we get to do this on the show versus at that dinner. So I'm very excited to be got to make this work. I love what you're doing. I've always been a, a passionate businessman, but also a passionate family man. So it's it's really awesome that you're uh, doing this. I'm excited to to talk about business and kids. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Music to my ears. If I, I, I was just talking to somebody else about this last night, and we were having this discussion about um, what would you do if uh, money wasn't an issue and you could do anything you wanted. And some people said they would golf. Some people said they would become a winemaker. Uh, I heard leather, leather maker, you know, or for, and one person said furniture maker. And uh-huh. then I actually like thought about it, you know, by the time it got to me and I was like, I would actually do this full time. Yeah, that's awesome. That would be so fun. Yeah, it would be so fun. For you. Exactly. Well, let's jump right into it. Why don't you tell the listeners um, what you do for a living? What I have been doing for the last 20, almost 25 years now is, is starting to run companies. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Sweden, uh, engineer by education, uh, started working for a management consulting firm there, came over to the States and uh, met my wife-to-be. We moved to San Francisco and I happened to be in San Fran uh, just uh, at the, when the dot-com thing happened and uh, mm-hmm. like a lot of people I started dot com in nineteen ninety eight and been starting and running companies ever since. You know, once the guts in your blood it's hard to stop. It really is. It really is. So you you um, grew up in Sweden and then you moved here um, and I'm assuming after college and all that stuff then right? Yeah, yeah that's right. So you were management consultant in Sweden? Yeah, I was working for Anderson Consulting back then, it's Accenture today. Worked in the Stockholm office Oh, wow. Came over to, to Dallas. I was supposed to come for six months, and, and then I kind of liked it there, so I stayed for a bit. And <laughs> eventually, I met my wife to be there and, and ended up, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and you, you met your wife uh, in Dallas, and was she also doing consulting, or is that something else? No, she's, she's, uh, she was in fashion and skincare and stuff like that. So we're, we're very, very opposites, uh, but opposite the track. So yeah. So you're like a mechanic and she's an artist, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> Very good. And so um, walk me through um, your, your journey here. So you said you started companies. I didn't know that. I thought you were um, thought you were like the CEO of multiple companies and I saw that on your LinkedIn. But 
I, this yeah. is why I wanted to talk to you some more at dinner, but unfortunately we didn't get to sit next to each other. Yeah, so talk to me about the companies you started and what your journey looked like. Yeah, so the first one, it's always been in, in the internet space, you know, uh, pretty much all of them have been venture funded, uh, so raised venture capital to try to, you know, grow something fast and, and, and grow it big. And, you know, had had the first one was Credit Land, credit land. it's an online lending marketplace. We raised a bunch of money and grew super fast, and then unfortunately we hit the the dot-com bust and and yeah. uh, and the company went under. So my first startup experience was a was a, a big failure, and I had to fire 100 people. And you know, my wife and I found ourselves, you know, 2001, just a year after getting married. And it's like, okay, now what do we do? Um, fortunately, I got a job offer in Austin, so uh, moved down to Austin, and then continued to do the same here in Austin since 2001. Oh, wow. uh, so after that, I did another financial services play. Uh, I started a uh, product, uh, promotional product and marketing company called Boundless that we grew to 100 million in revenues and sold that. Uh, so that was that was a, a great outcome. And then uh, most recently, I started a company called Gemba uh, about a few years back uh, together with two co-founders, and and that's what we're doing right now. Uh, and it's a very ambitious play. We're trying to democratize consumer product creation, make it possible for anyone anywhere to create new products. Uh, physical products? Physical products, right. Physical uh, products. Not, not digital, not, um, there's plenty of people doing that, but nobody's yet made it easy to create new products. So, you know, a lot of creative people you talk to, they have an idea of like, oh, I wish I could do this. Right. But where do you go to do that? Nobody knows. And, and that's why we created Gemba, to be that place where you go to find the experts and the know-how to make pretty much any product that you can think of. So is it is it like um, is it like the ICP being people that are um, like un you know like un unsavvy or um, inexperienced at all, or are you talking about people that are like experts at like three D printing and then, or is it the whole gamut, anybody in any stage? Yeah, so right now we're really focused on small mid sized businesses. So our goal is to eventually make it possible for anyone with any idea. Oh, got it. So right now it's B two B though. Our ICP ideal customer profile is really typically customers in e-commerce business, you know, so they may have a line of, of bottles or something that they're selling and they want to create a new one that glows in the dark or maybe has a light switch on it, you know, whatever it might be. They come to us and say, ah, oh, we know how to do that. We upload the project plan into our software and we connect them with experts that have done that product before. So in this case, it might be somebody that worked at Yeti or somebody that worked at Dyson and created flashlights or something like that. So we put together the expert team and the best practice workflow, and then they can create that product. And then we have thousands of factories that are part of the network too, so we can actually make it all the way. So it's not like custom parts or little widgets or things like that. It's no. like literally any device anybody can dream of. Yeah, pretty much. You can basically go to Gemba and just say like, hey, I have this idea for like, like for example, like a remote aggregator. I've always wanted something like this, right? Where yeah, all yeah. my remotes are like slotted into one big thing, you know? Yeah. So that they don't have to be lost. They have like six remotes. You don't have to have them all everywhere, yeah. but I don't want to get a master remote. But I just want like yeah. all my, does that make sense? It's a very stupid idea, but. That's a great idea. You should make it. <laughs> Go to Gamma. I love it. You're encouraging me here. You're inspiring me. The possibilities are starting to open, but that's kind of what you're talking about, right? That's exactly what we're talking about, and you know we're we're far and away we've we've helped make over a thousand products to date. You know uh, a lot of customers. We have, like I said, over three thousand factories in our network all over the world: China, India, Mexico, South America, Eastern Europe. Holy cow! And then export. 
really amazing experts that so if you kind of have an idea i want to create headphones with solar cells on top so they charge yeah. them right so we'll find the guy at you know bose or skull candy or you know pull together the perfect team that can help you make that come make that happen so it's pretty That's cool amazing and then uh, how, uh, just out of just out of curiosity how many of these companies are coming to you from kickstarter it's a minority. Most of them are already in business, uh, but we definitely help folks to come to us. Uh, and some come like in two phases. They come, I have this idea, and we help them create some three D renderings and you know materials that they can go and run the Kickstarter. And once they raise the money, then they come back and actually make the product. Mm, so cool! How did you come up with this idea? Well, as I mentioned, my my prior company, Boundless, was in promotional product, branded merchandise. I started traveling to China, visiting factories, and it just opened my eyes to like, wow, this is, we most folks in the US don't have any idea of how this works. And no, totally the difference not. between a factory and, you know, one can be super sophisticated, you know, fully automated robotics, another one can be mud floors and child labor, right? That's right. You don't really know the difference yeah. if you just look in Alibaba. Like, oh yeah, here's a factory. Yeah, totally. Um, so just the, saw that, and then I saw the complexity in how many small businesses actually fail uh, when they fail to create a product, right? That there, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a lot of, you know, mom and pop teams that have spent their savings on trying to realize a dream, and then just one thing goes wrong in that product journey, it's over, right? They, they can't recover. Uh, mm. uh, so there's, there's a lot of shattered dreams, there's a lot of opportunity to, to really help people do this better. And we always talk about unlocking entrepreneurial equity, right? To use a fancy word of yeah. you know, enabling people that don't have access today, right? Most people yeah. like, you know, if you grew up in community and your parents weren't entrepreneurs and you don't know anybody that's an entrepreneur, you're like, well, how do I do this? That's right. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that their ideas aren't great. You know? So we ultimately yeah. we want to make it so accessible that anybody anywhere can make anything they can think of. <laughs> Like, I mean, just, I just have to poke, I, I'm just so curious. I want to like ask a couple more questions on this. So like, what if I wanted to make a shoe? Could you help me make a shoe? Of course, absolutely. We had somebody make a sustainable shoe not long ago. So we, we connected them with uh, somebody who had worked at Under Armour for a decade and developed their running shoes. So again, that perfect expertise that can help you take your idea and turn it into something real. Oh my gosh. So literally anything, because you just basically from your last business, you saw you, you built this huge network in this kind of landscape and you're basically stitching those needs together with the, the demand here for empowering entrepreneurs and creators. That's right. I mean, to, to full disclosure today, we don't really do potions and lotions and food or anything like that. Nothing yeah, goes yeah. in your body. So we stay away from that. We've done very limited fashion and apparel uh, because that has a whole different set, but anything really physical goods, uh, and we really excel, I think, when there there's some complexity. So either moving parts, so it requires mm -hmm. mechanical engineering, or or electronics requires electrical engineering, because then we've seen the complexity exceeds the typical small business capability to actually manage that product journey, and they need help to succeed. And then on the opposite end, do you guys do? Uh, sorry, sorry, I, I'm, I'm still I'm still probing here. On the opposite end, do you guys do like? Can you guys do like products that also have like technical hardware and like Internet of Things attached to it? Like, yeah, for example, another crazy idea I used to have is like a better. Uh, sorry, I'm like you like now that I know what you do, you're gonna like get emails from me all hours of the night with all these ideas. Oh, love it. <laughs> 
like I, I think there's a lot of them out there, but there's nothing that really is great with this, right? But like an automatic dog a feeder um, and oh, yeah. uh, activation thing, there's ones that you can have a video camera. There's all these things that have tried to do this, but mm -hmm. they're not, they're either really badly made. Like I've bought one on Kickstarter and it was just like really poorly made. If it, even if it comes at all, I mean like 30% of my Kickstarter backings, I never see the, I never see the product, you know? And then if they do come, 30% of them suck. And then, you know, mm -hmm. there's like a, a 30% that's really good. But um, most of them are like the ideas are good and they get poorly made or the idea is bad and it doesn't work. Right. And so like but that's complicated because you have a physical device and then you also have Internet of Things capabilities. Mm -hmm. So it's like software and hardware plus a physical device. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know what you're doing. That stuff's complex. And if you just try to wing it, you know, odds are something's going to go wrong. But yeah, we you know, these uh, touchless lockers that they have at Whole Foods and you can go pick up your food and stuff, right? But they yeah, have an yeah. apartment complex. We work with a company, when our customers one tap away, they sell those to apartment complexes. Uh, so big, you know, big products, B2B, intelligent, includes hardware, software, and yeah, we, we do that kind of stuff too. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, I'm really excited about this, but we gotta talk about um, your kids <laughs> a little bit here too, because I could talk to you about Gimbal the whole hour now. And you may actually, Say it again. Don't forget about the children. That's right. Don't forget about the children. So tell us a little bit about your kids. Uh, what's going on with your family? How many kids do you have and how old are they and what are they doing? Yeah, I got two of them, uh, both in high school this year. Nice. That's pretty cool. My oldest cool. daughter, Chloe, she is a senior. Oh, nice. Right now we're going through the whole going to college thing. Um, oh, man. Which is interesting for me. I, ne I never went to college in the U.S., so I'm kind of, I, I'm going through it for the first time, too. So I'm all yeah. giddy. I'm to go visit some colleges here this fall, and I'm like, woo. How fun. <laughs> um, so that's that's an, a, a cool experience. And my son, he just started, uh, started high school, and he just started playing football, which, you know, in Texas is a big, oh, big yeah. deal. And, yeah, it's a huge deal. Uh, I'm pretty tall, and he's, you know, he's, only 14 and he's already six foot tall so <laughs> they kind of came to him and said dude you should play football <laughs> he's like, okay. yeah that makes sense so, yeah, i can see that uh, it's his first year playing and and you know he's having fun with it um i, I never have it you know I, I was never big oh you need to play football but i think it's actually pretty cool he's starting first year in high school that he's part of a group like that you know um and has you know a community that he's part of uh, as you start in a big high school. It's uh, so I think that that's been great. So those are my two, Chloe and Axel, two cool kids. Oh, your son's name is Axel. That's a great name. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It's actually my grandfather's name, Axel Johansson. It's a Swedish name, oh, but it doesn't yeah. hurt that it has that rock status to it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Rock star status. <laughs> Um, and I will say something about the sports thing. My wife and I talk about this a lot because <clears throat> she really likes the idea of having them in sports because there's a sense of like, you know, community that you get built in with that. So even if you're like, you know, the best player, worst player, whatever, you're still part of that community and team. And then as you're going through, especially middle school and high school nowadays, I, I mean, obviously everyone's telling me that it's like harder and harder, like, you know, socially and mentally to be a teenager right now. And so being part of that community is just an added way to buffer some of those um, concerns, you know, of like yeah. insecurities and, and bullying and kind of all those other things that are going on right now that, I mean, I think we grew up with that too, but I think it was just a lot less, um, right. a lot less um, digital, 
And so it yeah. was just much more yeah. muted, right? Where a lot of the things are so much more pervasive and, and narcissistic, right? narcissistic right now, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it's a lot harder for our teenagers. So I've heard, she said that a lot, but I've never been an athlete growing up. And so mm -hmm. it's like, she's always trying to get them to play sports and I'm always trying to get them to play music. Yeah. And so it's like the battle of like the parents here, but um, our kids are more into the sports right now. So we have them doing soccer and they love it. And starting to get them into ballet and gymnastics. And then um, I finally talked my wife into signing up for piano lessons. So I'm really That's hoping awesome. that, yeah, we'll start getting some music. Did, did you grow up, how did you grow up? Did you grow up playing any sports or music? Yeah, uh, so sports just came natural. My dad was a runner. We lived right by the forest. Uh, so we grew up in the, in the winters. We did cross country skiing in the summers. We went walking and then later running. And so we were pretty, pretty avid athletes, good runners, you know, starting, you know, 10, 11 and started competing, uh, at the national level, even when we were 12, 13, 14, my brother and I, and it was funny, my dad was like the least tiger parent you can imagine. He was like, yeah, that's cool. You guys are running. And <laughs> he used to go to competitions and we, we'd be crushed or excited whether we won or lost. And, and he was like, Oh, you did good. <laughs> so it was it was interesting, and I, my brother and I we always talk about that because we try to get our kids to be as dedicated and motivated as we were. I mean, we were we were exercising, running eight days a week, you know, and competitive. Anything to push us. We just we just I don't know where it came from. Um, and that is so strange. W was your mom competitive or no? No, neither one of them. I mean, they were both very. Very sort of laid back. I mean, very Swedish, sort of a little introverted. Uh, didn't push as much. It was sort of just an expectation that you would do well in school, um, so you yeah. could go to college, you know. But it was never really that stated. But you know, if you had if you had bad grades, that it'd be frowned upon, and and it was you know they never raised their voices or anything. But you know, for some reason, my brother and I, I think we we found we found an outlet in the running and. And, uh, and we just loved it and we were good at it. So it was fun. It became, I know if at least for me, it became part of my identity. I, I'll never forget the first time I won a competition when I was 12 and my picture was in the newspaper and I was like, whoa, yeah. and kids at school recognized you. And it was like, man, I'm, I'm a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It was like a really impactful turning moment for you, huh? It, it sure was. Yeah. And then do you, do you, are you doing that a little bit differently with your kids then? Or are you more sedated like your, your parents were? I, I've tried to not push them, uh, but there's it's no question. I mean, I, you know, just like you talked about, you want, you want to send them to ballet and music and all types of stuff. It's sort of, that's what parents do nowadays. I think we're probably more laid back than most, but, uh, but still, um, you know, we, we we try to get them to do things, but it's never been that kind of, they've never been that driven either. Not on the sports side, you know, they tried a lot of things. Axel's tried soccer. He tried, you know, yeah. all he tried running, but not, not, nothing really stuck with him. And you don't, you don't really like push it either. It sounds like you're pretty laid back about it as well. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I, I just never believed that you can, I think, you know, getting to parenting style, I saw what my parents did and, and it worked well for me, it's, I, I never really felt like I didn't want to be that parent that's pushed their kids really hard to 
achieve what I didn't achieve or, you know, yeah. or, or really strong. And I felt that they, they'll find their way, you know, and, and my parent, my, my wife has the same kind of philosophy. It's like, you know, the goal with the kids is for them to be happy and, uh, they'll find their own interests. You know? Yeah. Um, is that a Swedish thing? Cause your, your wife doesn't sound like she's Swedish. She comes from Swedish, uh, grandparents. So she, okay. Be, so they're Swedish and they're okay, cool. Just as Swedish as me, but she's otherwise she's a, a Dallas girl. <laughs> you know, she's, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I think we have we have a very similar philosophy. We're very different, but I think when it comes to raising kids, it's it's pretty similar that that uh, let the kids be kids. You know, it's a it's a pretty short period of time. You can be a kid, and yeah, and we've we've been the same page there. That let let them let them find their path and and their you know what they're excited about. That doesn't mean that we're completely you know hands off. I mean, if they yeah. went off the rails, we certainly yeah. step in. And actually, like literally this week. Uh, Wednesday morning, Axel woke up and he was like, Dad, I don't want to go to practice today. And yeah. I was like, well, why not? Oh, I got, I got allergies and a headache and I'm nauseous. I was like, it just sounds like you don't want to go to practice. <laughs> you need to go to practice. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he went to practice and then that evening he texted me and said, thanks dad for making me go. Uh, cause he realized it, it was good after the fact. So, oh wow! So it's not completely, you know, laid back, but but generally not not trying to push our interests on them. I think that's tough. That's really tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're really good kids, and you know, they're they're pretty self motivated. They they have, you know, except for a little dip during COVID, their grades have been good, and uh, you know, they have Chloe. Uh, our daughter's is like her mom's super social. She's always had, you know, a lot of friends, being very, you know, popular, I guess. And uh, so it's, you know, we never had, I guess we, we're lucky. We're, we got good kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's also the parents leading that, right? But the question I have is how do you not, like, um, instill your expectations on them? Because I'm like, I do it by, like, instinct. I can't even help it. Like, I want them to play yeah. music, you know? Yeah, and yeah. it's like one of those things that um, I don't even know how you let that flow. I guess a more tactical question I have for you is like, for an example, we sent our kids to um, soccer and more recently, Grace really didn't like it. And so she didn't yeah. like it really badly and said, well, let's just finish the season because you started yeah. it. We want to teach you finishing it. Yeah. And we had like four more sessions to go, four more weeks to go. And it was like three weeks in a row. She was just miserable and she hated it. Yeah. And then like the third time she just hated it and it was miserable. I was just like. I don't know if like it's going to get any better the next four things that are left, the four weeks yeah. that are left. And I, are we just like punishing her at this point? Because yeah. like she doesn't like she genuinely doesn't want to do it. It's like three times in a row, three weeks in a row that she's just like miserable there. And yeah. she's like saying she doesn't want it. Or do we just like teach her the lesson of like finishing what you uh -huh. start? Right. And it's like this really weird thing. And I know, I know I'm making something really small, really big, but. No, but that, that's a tricky one. I don't know if there's a right answer to that. I mean, in general, we've taken the approach, hey, you signed up for this, you yeah. made a commitment, you should finish it. Yeah. I mean, whether you like it or not, you should, you should complete it. But That's in right. your situation, if it's just like, if they're obviously miserable, and yeah. then why, you know, why prolong the pain? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what my thought process was, too. And I also have a more lackadaisical view on this stuff, right? Because I also think back to, like, like well, a couple of people that I've interviewed have also said this and validated this point. But it's like, you know, like, there's really not too many things that you can 
you know, like mess up or do wrong that's going to like, you know, you're not going to like not eat broccoli when you're like 30 years old. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to like, I don't know, like missing a couple weeks in elementary school is not going to like detriment your life overall. Like there's just like things that I I think that we like over process as like parents, you know, in the moment. And then you have to like remember, like when you talk to older and wiser parents, they're just like, none of that stuff really matters. Like, it's all going to be okay. And you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of feel like that. I just needed to hear someone else say it. But would you agree looking back on, you know, like the childhood of your kids and seeing them now as like teenagers and one ready to go to college? Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think ultimately, and I I have a good friend who went through a painful divorce. We had to talk. uh, He was concerned about his kids. and, And we ended up spending a lot of time talking about this. And we both came to the conclusion together. It's like the, the only thing that really matters in the end is that your kids feel loved. Mm. Um, because I think that's, if you look at kids to go astray and kids that don't, I think often is that if you, people generally feel that their parents love them and are looking out for them, they're probably going to be okay. You know, of course you yeah. can't guarantee that, but, but to your point, the broccoli or the piano or the, you know, soccer, yeah. probably not going to have a massive impact on, on their happiness or success in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's important to expose them to things, you know, and, and then, you know, I'm, my mom, you know, she bought a piano and, and offered us lessons. And in retrospect, I'm kicking myself that I, think, <laughs> right? I don't know how to play any instrument. And as a result, you know, I'm, my kids are kind of very low likelihood that they're going to do it. Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, I, I think you're doing the right thing. Expose them to things, give them, push them to try things. But then if it doesn't stick, then I think it's, I think it's probably foolish to, to continue to push because then they're just going to learn to hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. I love that. And then I have to ask the parallel here, because I'm assuming that, you know, in your, your career, you've done a lot of work, uh, both um, in building, but also leading, because it sounds like you've also built massive companies, but you've also been an executive at, at as already established massive companies. Yeah, yeah. So how do you see the parallels of leadership and parenting? Like, what do you, mm. do you, are you like the same kind of parent as you are a leader, or are you kind of different in those aspects? That is a good question. <laughs> I do think that there's similarities in my leadership style. I tend to not micromanage I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, goal settings and then allowing your direct reports to own that goal, um, not to dictate to them how to accomplish the goal, but rather give them the freedom and the responsibility to, to own it. Because in my experience, if you dictate how to do it, you can't hold them accountable because yeah. you basically told them what to do, right? It's only by by setting the goal and saying, it's your, your job to figure out how to achieve that goal. And then certainly I'm here, I'm here to, to coach you and, and help you to get there. Uh, but ultimately you need to own that. Uh, so I think that's impaired a little bit with, with the kids, you know, certainly I've instilled in them that, you know, we, we think you should go to college. We know that you, you have the capacity to have good grades. So you should apply yourself and try to have good grades. You know, you don't have to a grade A, but, you, you shouldn't be a C student for sure. Yeah. Uh, because, and, and continue to remind them, like, you know, because you should go to college because college is, one, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be fun, and it's going to open up a lot of doors. And it's, you know, if you get to choose, it's better to get your first job making 100 grand a year versus 35. Yeah. 
And not that it's just about money, but you have opportunities, you have options. There's more opportunities, yeah. Yeah. But then day to day, I mean, I'm not micromanaging, you know, did you do your homework? And I mean, it may be a little more when they were younger, but as they grow yeah. older, you kind of have to take, take ownership of that themselves. Yeah. And, and then just out of curiosity, because it sounds like you're taking a stance more on like, you know, optionalities and keeping those things open as they're earlier, you know, in their, in their life here. But, um, what do you think about entrepreneurship? Like, and your kids being entrepreneurs? Yeah, I would love for them to be entrepreneurs. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's an artist journey. I mean, it's hard sometimes. And yeah. you know, a lot of times you're like, what am I doing? Why am I <laughs> submitting myself to this? Yeah. But also, I think it's the most rewarding thing that yeah. you can do. Um, and I, I, I'd say almost all of my entrepreneur friends that you talk to, they have that same opinion. Like it's, I, it's sometimes that I think it's awful and it's stressful and, but at the same time you're, you know, you're in control of your own destiny. Um, uh, and, uh, you don't have a, you know, even though you have investors, you have a board, you have, you know, some agree you have a boss, but ultimately you, you are more in control. Nobody tells you what to do on a daily basis. Uh, and I, I would love for them to, to be entrepreneurs. I, I quite honestly encourage them to, um, cause it, you know, in some ways, who knows what jobs are going to be available five years from now. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, my kids are younger than yours. And so I'm like thinking about like, you know, 20 years from now, what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. And I, I like, I just so weird because I've always like grown up with the idea that, you know, I want my kids to go to college for the exact same reason, the optionality. And then over the last year or so, I'm, I'm almost like, I don't actually think I even care about that anymore either. Yeah. Like I'm actually getting to the point where I, I feel like me doing this podcast and focusing on being a great dad has made me like, want to do less dadding, if that makes sense. Like I actually want to be more like uh, passive about it. Um, as I, as I, as I try to like figure out like more about parenting and being a great dad and what that looks like for me and what that means for me, I like want to do more and more, um, um, less, which is kind of interesting way of saying, I don't know how I'm saying it correctly, but I think you get what I mean, right? Like, yeah. yeah. yeah and so even with the college thing, I'm almost wondering, like, is it, is it like something that I want to push? Like, I don't even know if I care because I just feel like, you know, looking at my journey, I feel the exact same way as you. Like, I feel like it's one of the coolest things ever. It's so lonely. It's so hard. It's in some ways it's terrible experience, but it's also so rewarding. And, um, I truly can't imagine, you know, um, the amount of knowledge and, um, empathy and, um, skills that you learn from being an entrepreneur, right? Because just the things that you have to experience as an entrepreneur just doesn't happen in a normal job. It doesn't happen in normal life. Yeah. You know, you have to make really weird decisions about money and values and your ethics, mm-hmm. right? Like constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's always tested and you learn more about yourself than any other thing that most people even experience. And so I want my kids to have that level of like mm-hmm. visceral understanding of themselves yeah. and, and, and self-reflection and insightfulness, right? About mm-hmm. themselves. Because I think that's where you can really find who you are and be happy. And mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure college will help or de- detriment from that. I don't even know if it'll yeah. help or not, right? So... I don't know. Yeah. My, my kid, I mean, they're too young to really realize, but like Lily wants to be a doctor. And yeah. so she, I'm like, so why? And I try to, and then of course, right. me, I'm trying to like push her into it. I'm like, well, why don't you own the hospital? You know, like, and she's like, I don't want to own a hospital. I want to be a doctor and I want to help people. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Then you got to go to college for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you laughing about that. Um, I am definitely trying to nudge them a lot. I, sh- I really should be a little bit more passive, but. 
Um, I'm, 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 I think it's you know I don't I don't know if there's one style that's right for everybody. You know, yeah. I, it's uh, sometimes I wish I would have pushed them more in, in some ways. It's like you know I always some somebody told me once you, you got to get your kids into expensive sports like golf and skiing because <laughs> oh, yeah once they get older yeah they'll come back to you and do those sports with you because they yeah. can't afford it on their own yeah. And and I never quite succeeded with that. I mean, we did go skiing together, uh, nice. but they never quite uh, got into it. You know, not yeah. like I, like my yeah. Neighbor, so. Yeah, I think I think my parents tried that with me. I mean, they definitely did the whole like um, golf and tennis thing, and mm -hmm. so I, I can play, but I'm not like stuck on it, right? But my dad did it for optionalities. Like, yeah. hey, like most deals happen on the golf course and, and on the on the tennis mm -hmm. court, right? Like you gotta like know these sports to like you know network and build relationships, yeah. and and so it was more for optionalities. But you know, I never really got into it, so I can play, but I'm not like passionate about it, you know. It's good to be able to know how to pick up a racket or. You know. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It goes back to the optionality thing. So then, so do, what do your kids think you do for work? Like, what, do they know like what you do and and what an entrepreneur is? And they do they know that you're building something? Like, do they have concepts of all of this stuff? Yeah, yeah, they've been pretty involved uh, since since the early days. Even at Boundless, um, I used to bring them to the office. We had a pretty open culture, sort of family culture. At the we did Halloween at the office, and the kids nice. come in and. Um, you know, I know I work from home all the time, so they see me. So they they definitely have a have a good idea of um, you know that I'm an entrepreneur, I'm leading a company, um, and we uh, you know, these last few years having pretty open conversations about you know how things are going and stuff like that. Uh, oh wow! Uh, so you're actually talking about the health of the business, even? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! So you're getting really sophisticated conversations happening with your kids. Yeah, it's been it's been fun lately. I mean, I, with my son, I took it was this probably three four years ago when I decided I'm gonna start taking him to real grown up movies. So I love going to the movies, and you know you can only see so many Pixar animated movies. Yeah, but like I think it was like the Green Book or something like that. We we decided to go. Does I I said Axel, this is gonna be a little different. <laughs> It's serious topics and it's about racism and stuff like that, but yeah. I think you're gonna like it. And he loved it. And since then we've been going and we go to the Alamo all the time and he's often the youngest kid in the, in the audience. And then we talk about the movies afterwards and it's been awesome. Uh, and, you know, I think the kids are ready for that a little earlier than, than many parents think. You know? Yeah. you know, they're all computers. I think. 80% of eight-year-olds have served porn or something, some crazy stats, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet many parents walk around and think that, oh, they have to treat them like, like babies still. Um, so I've found that, I, th I think probably earlier than most, we started treating them and talking to them about pretty adult topics and politics and things like that. Do you do that at work too? Uh, I stay out of politics for sure at work. Yeah, but I mean more like, more like what you're describing to me is like, there's like the ideal state and then there's the the reality state and there's like different CEOs, right? The CEOs that'll just like pretend like there's an ideal state. And then there's CEOs that'll be like, look, I know that this is what we're trying to do and everyone wants to do this, but this is really what's happening. And I know that there's like these unspoken rules and weird things that are going on. Let's talk about that real quick. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's different layers of types of leaders, you know? Yeah, I think I've, I've always uh, leaned on the transparency side. Um, 
you know, as I said, my first company went under and it's something I learned real quick as things were going south. We started firing people. Uh, somebody wiser than me told me that the only way you can keep people on board and stick with you is by being 100% transparent. So I was. I mean, I told them how much cash we had in the bank. I told them how much runway we had. I, you know, tried to give them some incentives to stick around. Was fair with them about the odds of selling the business and not selling the business. And and it worked out really well. You know, people were were there. You know, locked in arms trying to figure this thing out. And yeah. And in the end, it went the way it went. But it was still not a terrible experience. I mean, of course, it wasn't a great experience. But we, we I think, we managed it with grace and and. Uh, and integrity, uh, and I think that, that that stuck with me ever since. And, and also, my parents were huge on honesty and integrity and uh, ethics and all that stuff. Um, so I think, in, 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 you know, you're not, obviously not 100% transparent about everything in business all the time. But you know, we just Gemba just went through a, a round of layoffs. You know, e-commerce hit some pretty strong headwinds this yeah. year, and um, we had to adjust, like you know, like most business had. Um, and that's always tough, and I think that the only way you get through it is by being transparent with the team, um, mm -hmm. you know, sharing with them, here's, here's what we thought was going to happen, right. here's what didn't happen, here's where we were wrong, here's the you know, kind of deficit that exists as a result of that, that's why we had to make these cost cuts. And I think if you're transparent and talk to people like, you know, like adults, in general, people understand it, right? It's not, I think it's when you try to sugarcoat it. Or you know, not be truthful, then I think people are gonna. They either know it or they feel it subliminally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's really great advice. That's awesome. And so, when you think about being successful as a parent, what do you think about it um, now that you have a kid ready to go to college and you have a you have your second in high school? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's it's an interesting time for sure. You know, uh, it feels unreal. I mean, I, I I remember the days when Chloe was four years old and. You know, it was amazing, and now she's about to move out probably within <laughs> months, and it's it's just bizarre. But I I I feel strangely at ease with it. I, you know, I think that this is this is the path. This is natural. Uh, they're gonna evolve, and if if they didn't, then that would be weird. If she was a thirty-year-old living at home. That wouldn't. <laughs> you know, that's not what you want either. Uh, I felt the same when, when she had her, you know, first boyfriend, you know, that's something as a dad, right? It's like, yeah, you don't know how you're going to react to that, but yeah, he was a real good guy and he treated her well. And, and I was, uh, I mean, almost surprising to myself at ease with it. It's like, okay, this is good. This is a natural progression in, in her life. And, and this seems healthy. So I'm, I'm supportive of it. You know? mm. uh, so and I think that this next step is the same. Like I'm, I'm excited for her. I know how excited I was when I moved out of, you know, yeah. moved away from my parents and went to college and felt that independence. And uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her, and I'm, I'm happy for Axel. He's, you know, growing up from being a little kid to a big dude, and <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what you know what his high school look, years look like. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's all good. Yeah. You know, so you're feeling successful overall successful as a dad yeah i mean i think you have to remind yourself to how lucky you are um just the fact that the, I, I got two of them one of each they're both healthy they 
don't have any physical handicap, mental illnesses, uh, bad problems with, with anything and, you know, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the little stuff, but in the big, big scheme of things, we're, we're so lucky to, you know, live in the country we live in, to have the privileges that we have to be able to do the things that we do. It's, and you know, that I have, uh, had two good kids that are, you know, um, living good lives. That's, you know, that's, I think that's success. Right. It's a great perspective. I love it. And then another question I have around that is, <clears throat> how did you balance being an entrepreneur? Because it sounds like, based on the timeline, I'm trying to do the math here, it sounds like you started two different businesses while you had kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you lost the business, you did the dot-com bus business, and then you got a regular job, or not a regular job, but you, you were a career man yeah. for a little bit, and then you started two businesses, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, actually, my wife, my wife and I both started businesses the same year that Chloe was born. <laughs> oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. You have to be insane. But yeah, that sounds insane already. Yeah, she had a clothing store for, for 10 years and she was running that while well, I was the first 10 years of Boundless. Um, yeah, I think, I've, I think family, you know, family's first. You, you work super hard as an entrepreneur, but I think you always have to you don't want to miss football games or, or graduations or birthdays or, I mean, you just have to have that, even though there are things you're going to miss and there's late evenings and stuff. I think you have to always have that clear priority that you're, you're not going to miss the important stuff. And I think the kids need to know that, that you're going to, it matters, you know? Uh, so I think that we've always had that balance, I feel. Um, and always, you know, when on the weekends and stuff, I, the choice I did make was not to go play golf with the buddies, but, you know, take the kids for a run instead and, you know, go to the water park. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I, I miss that I, you know, I, uh, having more of those, you know, close friendships with, with your dudes, your guy friends. Um, mm -hmm. But that was, the, that was the prioritization I felt I had to make, you know, family first, business second. And, and unfortunately, sometimes, um, your body suffered in that equation. Yeah. In some ways you're also sacrificing too. Cause I mean, as, as, as much as, um, you know, we could be tough and entrepreneurial and objective, you know, and all those things, there is a need you're sacrificing a social need that, that doesn't get met because you're choosing to do those other things. And it's really tricky. Like I, I've noticed that I, I'm obviously, um, a little earlier on this journey than, um, than you are you know, with having younger kids, but I'm like noticing, you know, how my, even my performance gets impacted. Like when I actually get to like hang out with the guys on a yeah. weekend or a night, like I actually come back like to work a little bit more uh, energized, even though I'm physically more tired, I'm a little more energized. Cause like there's an outlet that comes from even being mm -hmm. with guys. You don't even have to talk. You just be like, just drinking and like hitting balls, you know, but it's still yeah. like, there's something about that, you know, that, that feeds something. And so there is a sacrifice. I do believe I truly do. I totally agree. And, and I'm introvert first. Um, so for me, it's really easy to not go to that lunch or not skip that happy hour. Um, yeah. But I, I just like you, I find whenever I do, whenever I go and socialize, it, it, it does give me energy and it does give me joy. So I, I try to push myself and my wife is, is good about that. She's more extrovert. So she's like, yeah. God, your friends. And <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. She's Chloe, right? Is Axel more like you? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Very good. Well, let me uh, let me switch gears here a little bit, Henrik, and let me switch gears to ask you some of my uh, rapid-fire questions that I like to ask all my guests so we have some symmetry to these episodes. Um, what advice do you have for other parents and soon-to-be parents? One thing I see a lot, particularly when people have, like, the babies, is that they just, like, and then you change their lives around the baby and yeah. we never did and I think that was the smartest thing we, we did because Chloe was born December 12th and you know two weeks later we we're at Christmas parties and New Year's parties and she learned how to sleep through the noise and never ever had a problem sleeping ever we were never you know when we had friends over we we, we continued to you know, of course you're going to change, but my wife and I, we had this commitment to ourselves. We're not going to change that much. We're going to continue to be social. We're going to continue to have fun. We're going to travel. And we're not going to completely change just because we have kids. And, and, and I think that that had a good influence on, on Chloe and Axel because they, they, they grew up knowing or getting used to being around other people. You know, they weren't nervous so they weren't scared of noises and stuff like that. And loud music, they could sleep straight through it. And we started traveling with them to, you know, I have family in Sweden, so we travel every summer. And we started traveling when they were six months old. And no way. traveled every year ever since, you know. Um, That's like a, back then, that was like a 15-hour flight. Now it's like a 13-hour flight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, for a short while, they had directs, and now they're back to one or two stops. So it's, it's a bit of a hike. But... Oh, my gosh, with kids? That is like more than a hike. Good for you. Yeah, you really mean what you say. You just put your money where your mouth is with that statement. That's that's serious. Uh, that's a serious uh, commitment to the strategy of letting them, you know, follow your life. Um, yeah, yeah. I, most I would, of, it was a couple of times they were you were that family on the flight that everybody hated. But I'm less worried about that. I'm just like the stress okay. of like the kids being so uncomfortable after like four or five hour flights. You know, like they're just like, I don't know, man. It's so hard. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm inspired. I'm gonna go maybe take that long trip that I've been putting off. Uh, yeah, if you can do it, do it. Yeah, just do it, right? right? Yeah, I love it. Uh, if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would you tell yourself? Before having kids? Yeah, yeah. If you can go back and tell yourself something that I should do it before I had them. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. I, I've loved. Um, I loved everything about it. It's like one one thing I, I do advise others is don't find out the gender before you're before they're born. Oh yeah. Good friend of mine gave me that advice. So unfortunately, my wife was okay with it, so we didn't. So it was this on Chloe's birthday. He's like, "Oh, it's a girl." Yeah. <laughs> and Axel saying, "Whoa, it's a boy." And I think that was the most amazing thing. Um, and almost nobody does it nowadays. You know, people yeah. Are so, yeah. There's a whole parties around gender reveal. Yeah, yeah, it's like parties, and they yeah. prepare the rooms, and you don't really need to do any of that. Yeah. You know, there's really no reason for you to need to know the the gender before they're born. So yeah. we felt that that was sort of something you could share with your your ancestors. You know, an experience that that human beings have had for millions of years. Yeah. To find out at the moment of birth, and we we cherish that. Not that I recommend it to anyone. That's awesome. Very few take up that advice, though. But. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being um, um, not as popular, but I definitely think I, I understand the, the the message and the intent of it. That is really, really um, refreshing. Also, I think it helps the wife doing that 
painful third trimester that you don't know. It's like it's a little bit like Christmas Eve the whole time. It's like, yeah. I wonder what it is. <laughs> so the next question is, um, what is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself after becoming a parent? Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know if it's been any huge surprises, quite honestly. That's awesome. To disappoint, but uh, no, it means I just, you just I'd be a pretty, pretty good dad, and and uh, and I still think I am. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. Have you ever asked them how you're doing as a dad, like a, like a three sixty review? I haven't, but I should. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if my kids would even understand it if I asked them this, but I definitely am thinking about doing that. I like, there's a lot of things that I copy from work into parenting, yeah. and like one of those feedback loops is one of those things that I really want to implement, you know, because I feel like it's so helpful at work. I can't imagine it not being helpful in, in, in parenting. But yeah. oh, one um, thing I, I did, uh, it was interesting, I didn't realize that, and, and many, I, I assume many people have the same, but you're, that you're, your spouse and you may not have the same view of parenting. Oh yeah. And you may not realize that until you have kids. Oh yeah. Right? You're, you're this, you're together as this couple and you're alone and everything. Is, and then a child comes out and you know, you never really, at least we didn't sit down. It's like, oh, let's compare notes. On what do we think good parenting is? And that, uh, and that, that was never, I shouldn't say it's an issue now, but it, it, when they're little, it's pretty straightforward. You got to feed them, you got to love them, and but but then as they start growing up, I think that, that then then you may notice, you know, years into parenting, that you actually have quite different views on certain things. So that's uh, that surprised me a little bit, not in a, not in a bad way necessarily, but uh, but yeah. No, that's a great answer. I I feel like I'm way more animated than you, but I viscerally understand exactly that statement. I feel like I'm re-dating my wife because I'm like, who are you? Like, who the heck are you? I feel like we yeah. had this great thing going for like the 10 years we were dating and then all of a sudden we have a kid and like now we're like complete strangers. Like we have to like get to know each other all over again. Like yeah. every yeah. aspect of things that we thought we had like homogeny over just like yeah. it just areas of like opportunities to like say, wow, we're, we're so divergent. From mm -hmm. like money to relationship to discipline to you know <laughs> to rewarding like everything is like completely different. So I completely understand that statement. Probably ten yeah. x what you just said. Yeah. yeah, it's something that we're uncovering very very rapidly here. In my and I don't know if I recommend for people to dig into that before they get married because then nobody would get married. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and according according to uh, you know Elon and some of these other pundits out there, we're on a population shortage. So yeah, we definitely want more people to get married. Yeah. Just, if you love each other, get married, you'll figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Let me switch gears here on the last two questions. So um, if I can ask you what your favorite business book is, what would you say? Uh, good to Great, Jim Collins. Collins? Nice. That's Have a great one. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I, we just had a company retreat and I, I walked through it. You're familiar with the hedgehog concept? You know, yeah. It's a concept of how to define your strategy and all that. Yeah. Where the three circles of what you're passionate about, what drives right. your economic engine, and what you can be the best in the world. That's and right, best in the world, that's right. It's such a great book, and, and every so much wisdom. So I love it, recommend it to everybody. That's great, yeah, that's a great one. And then last question I have for you is, when you're not being an awesome dad and a super entrepreneur, what do you do on your downtime? What's your fun, what's your fun thing? I love to run. Um, as I said earlier, you know, I, I grew up running. It was one of my first 
connections with you know I mean with nature and with with you know who I who I became I think it gave me a great sense of accomplishment so uh, I've dealt a lot with running injuries but you know just earlier this week I went for a run after I had a really good investor meeting and it's just joy to me it's I, I just love it uh, being in nature feeling like you know, I don't, another favorite book is Born to Run, if you haven't read it. But mm. My wife's to, read that one, yeah. Really, is <clears throat> where our bodies were built to run. Um, and it may not always feel like that anymore, but <laughs> I think when, that, that's what I feel like sometimes I connect with it, that you know, you're connecting with your ancestors, with the way of being, and you're just, you're just floating. It's awesome. I probably cool. don't look like I'm floating anymore, but... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you feel like it, and that's all that matters, yeah. You are, you are inspiring me to get back out there. I mean, my wife and I really bonded over running. She's a big runner. She, she, has, she shares the same sentiment. It's like the kind of the same like, uh, closeness to running, the, the stress relief, the, the mental relief that comes with running. I, don't, yeah. I see it as a chore and as like a, a total task, but I wanted mm -hmm. to date her, and I wanted her to <laughs> like me. And so I started becoming a runner just because I wanted to like associate with something that she was passionate about. But... I got into it pretty good, and then um, I just stopped last year. Just like work got the best of me, but now you're inspiring me to get back out there and run again. You should. Yeah. You should. It is really good. Well, Henrik, this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule um, to talk to me about uh, parenting and work. It was really, really enjoyable for me. Hey, could I share one one final story? Of course. Of course. So this we we just finished ACL, right? And I uh, I took been taking our kids to the ACL Kid Limits uh, since they were little. Um, no way. And this year was, uh, I think, 2009. Uh, Chloe was five or six. We went to Kid Limits. She colored her hair pink and all that. And as we were leaving, uh, Jung the Giant came on the big stage. And I love those guys. So I said, Chloe, just hang on a little bit. Get on my shoulder. I'm going to go watch these guys. And just after the first song, it starts raining. And this was the year of the drought, so normally if it starts raining during the concert, people are like, oh, boo. Yeah, yeah. But this year, everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> and Chloe, she's like noticing all this, and you know, the rain hits her hair, and her pink color just pours over her and starts pouring over me. Yeah. And she's like, Dad, is this okay? I was like, yeah, honey, it's rock and roll. And she's like, woo. Screaming, we're getting wet and pink and... And uh, it was just like probably one of the best moments of my life. It was such an awesome oh, dad-daughter wow. moment. That's know? awesome. Well, first off, I want to see a picture of that. Do you have a picture of that? I don't have a picture of us there, uh, but I do have a picture of her with pink hair before it started raining. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And then two, I didn't know ACL had a kid section for their concert series. Sure they do. Kitty Lou. No, not, not I mean, this is the ACL festival. It's, it's part of the festival. It's a separate section of the festival. Yeah, it's a Kitty Limits. They have it now, too. Yeah, Kitty so. Limits. Yeah, take oh your kid. That's awesome. Yeah, I got to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have any more stories? No, that's not, not that's better than that. Hendrik, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. It was really great. It was my pleasure. Take care, Young. Yeah, we'll talk soon, okay? Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to The Girl Dad Show. To help our show grow, please let us know who we should interview next by filling out the form on our website or commenting below.